Welcome to the Winning with Shopify podcast. This is the podcast to help you scale your Shopify store into a money-making machine. This episode is brought to you by Retention.com. Retention.com helps Shopify stores make more money by growing their email lists 20 times faster and sending 10 to 15 times more abandoned cart emails. Want to learn more? Check out Retention.com. Book a demo to get two times more audience credits for the first 60 days. Now, over to your host, Nick Truman. Hi, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Winning with Shopify podcast. For anyone that's not tuned in before, welcome back to another show. My name's Nick, and uh, if it's your first time here, it's a huge welcome from me and from the team. We hope you like today's episode. If you do, please leave us a review, hit the subscribe button, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You know the drill, and if you've been listening to podcasts for a while, you know what I'm about to say. To all of our guests that have tuned in before, welcome back. Absolute pleasure to have you with us. Um, we are coming into land now with our series about retention, which is both a shame and a joy. It's a joy because we've done three months on this partly because we highlighted it was such an important topic to cover, talking about retaining customers and how to build that lifetime value from your customers as well. And equally, it's a shame because we've had so many amazing guests um, on the show, but we've got loads of great ones tuned up. We have topics and sponsors lined up now for the next, um, I think it's the next sort of six to nine months, which is fantastic. So looking forward to introducing something new in the next few weeks of time. But let's come on to today's episode. So Today, we're still talking about retention and we're still talking about lifetime value, but we're putting a slightly different spin on this. So we're going to go down the road of how can you, and this is a big question we're going to try and cover today with with a guest I'll introduce in a moment. How can you design your website and your brand so well that people just want to keep coming back and keep buying from you? So as much as we've looked at great email campaigns, great social and great product, today we're going to look at website and how can you build an amazing web experience that people want to keep coming back and purchasing again and again and again. Therefore, if you're doing all the other things, it'll work really, really well. My very special guest today is someone who's become a very good friend in recent times and also a phenomenal expert. Um, his name is Ben Burgess and he's founder of an agency called Eleven. So Ben, welcome to the show. Hey Nick, thank you very much for having me and hello to everyone listening. Well, it's a pleasure to have you with us. And um, before we dive in, we ask all of our guests exactly the same questions. So I'm going to ask you today, Ben, tell us a bit about your background and a little bit about what you're doing now and a little bit, finally, about Eleven as well. I nearly call it We Are Eleven because that's your website. But uh, yeah, <laughs> tell us a bit about Eleven. That is the website, yeah. Uh, so yeah, a little bit about me. I've been, I've been working in the world of, uh, D2C for, oh, what feels like decades, you know, uh, it's been a good uh, decade and a half at least. Um, and I've had a really eventful journey going through and mixing kind of the bricks and mortar with the whole e-commerce kind of merge and through to more agency world, finishing up in a, a great position working with uh, Simba Sleep and exiting from Simba Sleep after helping them skyrocket in the mattress industry to then starting up uh, Eleven. Uh, so as a, a founder myself, we're a small but agile team and we ultimately uh, work with DTC brands who are looking to kind of disrupt their, uh, their space and uh, make a difference. And I guess this is where we're going to kind of delve into a little bit today is ultimately understanding how to make that uh, point of difference for those brands where they're all in a very noisy competitive space. And that's where we thrive, where we're brand kind of led orientated, working obviously on the fantastic platform being Shopify uh, and facilitating all of our client needs in that space to drive sales with a bit of purpose. And that's uh, hopefully a good uh, intro about me. 
It is indeed. It is indeed. I've got several questions off the back of that. I won't ask all of them immediately, but um, I think one thing to flag quickly is we are going to come back to Simba because I think Simba is an interesting one. And um, we mentioned before as well that you had previously worked with the guys from Purple Mattress who we had on a few months ago as well, Dan and Chris, which is super exciting. But let's start with the opening question then. And I've, I shared a tiny bit about this in the intro, but how does design fit into retention? Why is a good design going to retain your customers? Uh, that's a really good question. And, and there's lots of kind of factors to kind of build into all of this. Yeah, good design is obviously a solid way of communicating first and foremost, essentially the products that these brands are selling. Um, also what these brands stand for and then bringing in also the design psychology to, you know, activate triggers in the customer's mind to, you know, choose this over that. So as I say, lots of places to kind of like delve into, but I think the, the best way to kind of like open this up as a kind of a gateway would be good design is needed in e-commerce. Firstly, to clearly define who you are, what you're doing, why you're doing it. And then when we get down to the product level, what that product does and, or, and the benefits, the features and benefits driving out into the values for, for that brand and, it, and what it's selling. So if we look at it in, in that uh, sense, we need a, a really clear kind of user journey uh, mapped out through the store, which ultimately works through into that conversion funnel to get people from said landing page uh, coming through and they're directed in the right way through to the product page where most most people are going to spend a lot of time uh, researching around that product. And, and that's where we can integrate a lot of the tech stacks and again through good design because there's brands that will just do out of the box boilerplate kind of pieces which ultimately when in the marketplace they may not look very different to other people and that's not going to get that customer to ultimately remember who they are and it could be simple things like color or image or you know a strong piece of copy or an interaction on that website which triggered in that customer's mind in particularly in memory, uh, let's say if they're going to come back, depending on the shopping habits of that product. So if, for example, let's just go back into the mattress world quickly as we opened up about it, the world of mattresses, the kind of lead time for purchasing something of that nature, which is expensive and uh, there's a lot of uh, competition out there. So it's understanding the difference can be up to around three months. So uh, we, we, when we were uh, working, uh, when I was working for Simbra and we did some work from agency and when I was there in-house as well, you know, it came down to things like brand color. Like there was the blue mattress, there's the yellow one, there's the purple one. And purple obviously, you know, had it in their name. And people had this affinity around, you know, these memorable pieces of that brand. And that's how we get those people to kind of essentially come back organically, should we say, in terms of that shopping habit. And then we've obviously got lots of triggers from tech stacks to bring them for smaller products. Uh, let's say that we go into the world of loyalty. Uh, you've got subscription. Uh, but that will, again, when we come back to design, needs to be clearly uh, delivered on the website. And it needs to be done in a way that's not overpowering. It's not confusing. It's simple. It's native to the, to the user. And obviously, we need to be thinking mobile first in everything we do as well. Absolutely. No, I've I've made so many more notes, Ben. We've got so many questions to go through <laughs> now. I think. Um, no, no, it's, it's absolutely brilliant. I think I, I love your point about the color of the product as well, because you're absolutely right. Yeah, purple mattresses is purple, Simba's is blue. Um, was it Eve mattress is the Eve, yellow one? Yellow. In the UK? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So the fact I, I've, I I do have a Simba one, I have to say, <laughs> and it's due an upgrade, and they are emailing me. They're doing a great job of it. But um, yeah, I think. 
certainly having that brand recognition um, in terms of the design of the product, I think is really, really key. Quick question about Simba then. How involved were, were the designers in both the product and the website? Or actually, were the, were the two completely se- separate design teams? If they were different teams, did they integrate? Like, was, was the whole thing designed to flow from, we've designed a website based on the fact that we've already designed a product? They were quite well integrated. Products and ultimately the team at Simba uh, was well connected, integrated and flowed quite well. And there was a good visibility of what was coming up in terms of product launches and how we need to communicate on the website. And there was a, a typical kind of way of working would be all sitting down in a room, having a bit of debrief on new products coming up and how we translate that into key USPs on the website building uh, you know, really kind of unique, informative landing pages. And then from a design point of view, prototyping all of that, going then down with the developers to make sure that we're what we're presenting and putting forward is, you know, feasible, is actually not going to impact in any speed metrics, it still can, you know, convert correctly. Because again, it comes back to that uh, kind of disruptive model. And that's what Simba and many of the brands that we work with are trying to do in terms of grabbing that attention with their potential customers and acquiring customers through that model and and yeah so it was there was a a solid kind of um connection between what would be siloed teams because without it you ultimately just can't communicate the the benefits of the product you're trying to sell correctly and particularly at those higher price points when people really need to know why they're spending so much money on something that ultimately just lying down on uh, (laughs) albeit quite a lot (laughs) Well, it is a third of your life as well. And I think if I remember, and I, I bought my Simba matches probably six or seven years ago, so you might have been working there at the time as well when, uh, when, I, when I purchased it. But it was things like when I first saw the advert, the advert had, I can't remember if it was Gareth Bale actually was on it. It was, one of the, it was a footballer. And I saw that on Instagram and thought, I play five-a-side football. Oh, look, I could look after my body better by having a better mattress. And then as I scrolled down the page, the mattress like pulled apart into all the layers. And then as you went further down the page, it went back in and then sort of disappeared. Really, really nice little bit of UX that showed me the entire product so simply. But I think certainly what, what we're touching on here, I think that's absolutely brilliant from that aspect is, is I, know, I know we just sort of made it very simple talking about colour, but I would certainly suggest anyone listening is go and look at your branding and then put your product next to it. If it helps print it out or put it next to the screen and go, does our product or do our products, does that actually look the same as the website or does it look like two different brands? Because we've had a lot of clients before that they sell a product on their website. The website, for example, has a really good brand awareness and you go on there and you really feel like, um, like we've got one, one client that has a lot of homeware stuff and that particular client, you go on the website and it feels like you're in all these different types of um, designer lounges. Um, if a house is in like literally your lounge, your living room, but they're all in different color schemes, different styles, everything's quite affordable. It's all very good. And then the product arrives and it's just the product in a cardboard box. And they've lost this lovely, they've got a lovely sort of dark color to their um, to their branding, quite premium, but low prices. It's all really, really good. But then when the product arrives, it's a real disappointment. Flip side, we've got clients who their website just looks like a sort of bright red, br- red and white branded um, marketplace, which just makes it look cheap. Like it's, um, we have a thing in the UK called Poundland, where everything just costs one pound. Um, you know, and it's, and it's like they, those kind of old pound stretcher is what I'm thinking of, which great shop, but the branding is just bright red and it's like everything costs a quid. And then these guys have got this horrible website. But when the product arrives, 
lives. The packaging is amazing. And, and the product itself really lends itself to something actually quite luxury. And you're like, well, what was the website about? Like the website was horrendous. So I think first note for today, I think is absolutely go and compare your, your branding and your website to the product, to the packaging. Does it all align? Because with Simba especially, the product was part of the web design as far as I could see when I was, when I was using the website. When it arrived, the box was the same color. The product itself was the same color. It opened and set up just like the GIF on the website was showing me all the steps of like, take it out the box and then it sort of, it slowly grows itself and fills up with air. And next thing you know, you've got a bed. Happy days. So yeah, I think the the whole story, I hear what you're saying in terms of the two teams being interlinked to bring that whole brand story to life. And then when it arrives, do not disappoint anyone. You've got to you've got to live up yeah. to the expectation. It's got to it's got to be end to end to end. Absolutely, it's the whole customer experience going beyond beyond the the Shopify store ultimately, and and that's so key in in retaining customers for for the long term. I mean, I'm sure you've like we're talking about mattresses. I mean, it is probably the most boring products we have in our household but you know it's memorable because of these things we've spoken about particularly because of that branding the opening experience of the box you know even down to how that mattress was rolled in a box because it then could be delivered you know in a van to your door brought upstairs and that's the same for lots of brands we we work with we work with a great no alcohol brand days brewing and they are doing something very very similar in the sense of great website looking to optimize it, going through those atypical processes to make sure that that user journey is, is correct. The conversion rate is is growing. We're increasing AOV. But beyond that, we're working with them to you know really tell their brand story. For example, they give a charity donation of 2%, which matches the alcohol duty that the government applies on all alcohol brands. And so Rather than people going, oh, you're an expensive brand, they're actually going, oh, you're a purposeful brand. You're actually doing something for good and harnessing the power of being alcohol free. But beyond that, the branding, you know, is seamless from store to door. And then also the experiential activations as well, you know, getting those products in people's hands and, you know, taste is a big part in those kind of products you know people need to taste it and so you need to start building up this affinity people going actually that is a really good alternative to alcohol and it tastes great and i really like what they're doing beyond the box should we say beyond the store and that's that whole ecosystem that kind of we call it like a just the halo very very typical from the world of apple where you know you you're introed into one product and suddenly you're a you know apple africanado yeah yeah all in, you know, you've got the iPhone, you've got the Mac, you've got a watch, headphones, you name it. And that's how we operate in in terms of driving or or harmonizing brand and web together to ultimately build that longer term affinity for those customers. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And I'm going to jump back to something and then we'll come back to the sensory thing in a minute because I think that's a really, really valid question. And for anyone that's not picked up on the trail of thought yet, if we didn't make it obvious enough, we're talking about how to make a good web experience on the basis that people want to come back and buy. And that, that's why we're talking about these things. It might feel very customer acquisition, but equally, let's let's take the approach that if you acquire customers and they buy once, you need them to buy again. So if you make the experience really good, when they come back to buy again, they're going to go through that experience again. They're going to come to your website and they're going to use your website. The word I want to highlight, Ben, from one of the first things you said is the word trigger. So you talked about these different triggers that can trigger people, and I assume and I hope, to make a purchase. 
What do some of those triggers look like? I know you've mentioned quite a few, but let, let's line them up because a lot of people will be sitting there going, okay, I want all of those triggers and I want all of them in a line. I'm going to try every single one of them, which we're going to advise against, I assume. But uh, what are some of those triggers? Some of those triggers to get, get someone going, right, I really want to buy this thing. I can't wait to, um, we'll move on from the mattress. I can't wait to get some alcohol-free beer, drink it and not have any of the side effects of hangovers and all the rest of it. Well, I mean, you've mentioned a couple of triggers straight there for, for days brewing, any alcohol free, you know, the benefits to your lifestyle. So I guess bringing that back to web and design for those kind of like free retention opportunities, those triggers would be clearly indicating where, for example, these blockers might be. Let's say there's price issues for some customers saying, oh, you know, you're expensive compared to others in the market. It's the trigger would be at the add to cart button on the product page. You clearly define where the extra cost is or how that money is being spread through good causes. And so you've kind of broken down that barrier. Other triggers would be through kind of loyalty. And so Again, when we look at design and bringing in tech stacks to work with subscriptions and loyalty and reviews and so on, loyalty is, is a great way of doing it. And you can gamify loyalty. So triggers might be through a you know, pages that clearly explain why you should come back again and again. And through the benefit of the customer, let's say, you know, you can get points, uh, more points, mean more prizes. You can buy X, get Y. But then I like the gamification where you start to build your customer into your brand a little bit more. So through loyalty again and clear design across the site, you can implement some gamification in the idea of leave us video reviews and we will provide you with you know, exclusive access. And it's kind of elevating the opportunity for those customers to become more ingrained. And that exclusive access could, again, it could be on online, offline, Anything yeah, exclusive access in terms of the latest drops or early discounts or sneak peeks, anything like that will, will work as a trigger to essentially bring them back again. And that goes through the funnel beyond the website, too. So you, you can do those triggers through through emails. So, yeah, everything, typical stuff birthdays, anniversaries, you know, product expiries, like on a mattress you mentioned earlier. Again, when it comes to subscription, you know, you finished your drink, your beer case, time for some more, get some more, get some loyalty points. And it kind of flows like that. And then those triggers kind of come back full circle. So that's kind of like a mixture of the tech stack working with a clearly defined, well-designed page. Because we've also seen on in the flip, case scenario that if you add everything as you mentioned if one of someone wanted all of these triggers we'd probably say don't do too much less is always more you don't want to confuse that customer particularly when you get into that finer end of the funnel where we need them to convert we need to get into that checkout phase we don't want to bombard them with everything you know at this point we've clearly had a user journey in mind going through a process to understand how these users are interacting on the website and what their typical pain points are and why said product is going to alleviate their pain points. If we start confusing with them, kind of scaring them, being a bit too heavy handed on the whole retention schemes, that's when they start to kind of see through or see beyond the legitimacy of that brand and go, actually, they're just here for my money, where really you want to be here to help that person. That's ultimately what selling products are, are really here. We're really here to do what these brands are doing is making a difference in people's lives, no matter the category or industry they're operating in. So too much can be a negative in that sense as well. Yeah, absolutely. And people use the phrase a lot, and you touched on it really well here, I think, of um, customer journey. We've started calling it customer process. 
And it's a bit more of an internal term. Customers don't want to feel like they're in they're in a process. But we started talking to brands we work with about this process of like, okay, they see an ad, they click an ad, they land on your website, they land on your website again and again and again. Now they bought a product. And I think you, you touched on it really well, actually, with the when they buy their first product. When do you introduce the loyalty program? And I think when we look at these triggers... I can't imagine any merchant is sitting here listening and saying no to any of them. They're like, yeah, we want subscriptions, we want loyalty programs, we want reviews, we want user-generated content, a lot. But it's really important to get in the right place in that journey. And something we asked the Purple Mattress guys, it'd be the same for Simbra, I imagine, which I thought was a really compelling point is, how do you keep your customers engaged on email when they're not going to buy from you for another six or seven years? And they had some really good strategies of, well, there's a refer a friend, there's how to get the best out of your product, there's pillows and other stuff to buy to go with your mattress. And so they there were lots of other bits actually starting to be thrown in. But the company, in terms of branding and messaging, it was still known as we're a mattress company and we're called Purple Mattress. So I thought it was a really nice way of breaking those things down. But yeah, my, my point being to everyone is think about where these things are going to come into your customer process. And best thing, ask your customers you know, when are you aware of our loyalty program? If yes, when were you made aware of our loyalty program? And if they're like, it's the reason I bought the first time I wanted to get into the loyalty program. Great. Your customers want the loyalty program first and foremost. Do you care that we offer free delivery? No, I expect you to. All right, we'll take it off as a USP. You know, don't do this because one customer said it either. It's, it's got to be a massive thing. But <laughs> yeah. I think getting that process absolutely right of, of where you ask for, okay, now we'd love a video, please. Um, I think it's really, really cool. Um, my, my next question was going to come back to trust, but you've, you've touched on that really well, actually, with the, the video reviews. And, and for anyone listening, we'll, we'll name them. They've been a sponsor before. Um, but yeah, Trustpilot is where Ben and I actually met. We're both uh, agency is. partners of Trustpilot. So yeah, I'll, I'll plug it really quickly. If you want a Trustpilot discount, let either of us know and we'll sort you out. <laughs> um, but using a review platform, platforms, Yopo, Trustpilot, Reviews.io, FIFO, etc. Using those and using one that will give you the tech you need. The biggest danger with review platforms, you sign up to the cheapest one for like 50 quid a month or something or $50 a month. And then you find that, okay, it doesn't have the tech we want. Moving is painful and you can lose a lot of that content, which can be really difficult. Um, Is there anything else people can do to build trust, Ben? Like, let's talk about trust for a second and building enough trust to come back and buy a second time. Yeah, I mean, trust is is so important, and trust is is going across the board in terms of that you know, journey we we spoke about. I think the best ways to build trust would be uh, always honesty, integrity, and that's how we operate as as an agency with our clients. But I, how we say that our, our clients should operate with their customers. So this is more of a kind of a, a customer service kind of inquiry. Let's say let's say there was an issue with delivery, and you know the customer has pinned it up on Trustpilot as a negative review. Let's keep those reviews up there, have some transparency, allow that that brand to communicate back to that customer with transparency on Trustpilot or other review platforms. So then other customers can see, oh, okay, this was an honest mistake maybe, and it's been fixed or one-off. You know, they weren't going to hide it. Because I think I always find that if you look at brands and they've just got five stars across the board and you only see (laughs) that, you're like, mm, there must have, there must be something wrong. Like, they can't, it's too good to be true. I always look straight at the negative ones. Yeah, yeah. I saw a study yeah. recently that it's like 80% of people that end up on FIFO or Trustpilot, that was in on their own website to re- look at the reviews mm. of a brand. They go straight for the one star. And I, I, I especially do it if I'm going somewhere. We talk, we'll yeah. come back to a sensory as well in a bit, but yeah, certainly like a hotel. You want to you hear like when someone said like, my room caught fire in the middle of the night. It's like, of course it didn't. Like, that's ridiculous. <laughs> um, but you want to hear where someone said the 
staff were a bit rude, but overall it was pretty good. And you're like, okay, I'm not hearing any reason not to go to this hotel. This is good. And it's the same with products. Like you go straight for the one stars, don't you? Absolutely. And uh, another one as well, which we saw this week is a classic. And you mentioned it around delivery. I was shopping, I think it was last night for something. And the delivery calculation was calculated in the checkout, which is just so annoying. I want to know what those prices are up front. And there are many ways of doing that with app integrations or, you know, coding it into your site to work out that logic. Get that up front and basically, again, avoid that bounce rate and and the cart abandonment that you're going to get when suddenly it's an extra five pounds or whatever it is to to deliver because that's just not a nice surprise that anyone wants. And those all come back into trust. Trust Trust is incremental points along the whole journey from brand through to tech and the general experience as i say from store to door in terms of that online d2c world yeah yeah delivery is a really interesting one and we're talking about design today we had a situation with a client recently where lots of the feedback we got on their websites we put a little feedback form saying how are you finding this site you know and it was a sort of you know give us some feedback and you enter a chance to win two thousand pounds to spend on the site it's pretty good and so many people were moaning about the delivery and the client basically got in a bit of a huff because we we received the feedback first and we then sat the client down and said we've got the feedback we've digested some of it because we knew they would take some of it personally they're a small family-run business you know what it's like but they're really profitable and they're growing like mad and we sat down we said people are unhappy with the delivery and they were like why why are they unhappy with the delivery we're like well a lot of people want it to be free they're like it is free and we were like but they don't realize that it's designed badly and then some of them put a large item like an entire you know 15 person dining table in their car and then it says (laughs) this is going to cost 45 pounds to be delivered and it's like the table's costing like three thousand pounds so delivery should really be free and they were like well it isn't a large item like not when you're in the car it's not so it is, like you said, it is calculated earlier, as in it's a set price for per item with some limits. But they were also like, oh, and once you spent £200, it's free delivery anyway. And we're like, but the cart doesn't do that. Well, that sounds like a bug. It's like, it's not a bug. It's just, you know, calm down, everybody. This is, it's not a bug. It's just the way you've set the settings up. So we know, so this is why we're looking at this user journey. You need to make this user journey work for you. But their delivery one, it was just like two or three paragraphs and you had to click the tab to open it up. But it was every single person with feedback said, do you... What do you like and not like about our delivery policy? And we were hoping everyone would go, it's fine. It's fine. I like it. It's free. It's fine. Good. But everyone was having, literally every single person out of about a thousand people that filled out this form, every single one of them almost literally had a bit of a moan about delivery and they wanted it to be free and thought it should be free and thought they were going to get it free and then it wasn't. And we were like, but it is actually free. It just doesn't tell you until you get to the checkout. It needs to be in the car, needs to be on the page. And on the page, say, free delivery on this item. Next day delivery costs... 40 quid done yeah <laughs> you know yeah and they were like we'll just change it to that then we're like we will but we didn't know that until we did this feedback survey and that's one of 30 things we're going to do so yeah we'll get on to it yeah yeah i think that is the way we do a lot of cro audits and then implementation ultimately and it all comes back to good user experience journey mapping planning however we want to call it we we really want to get into the head of that customer and get that flow as seamless as possible and then iterate, you know, 
trends and customer shopping habits habits change so what we did yesterday is is not going to be perfect for tomorrow and it's kind of living in that second curve i don't know if heard of that where you're always iterating and basically the work you did yesterday is going to be uh is outdated already so you just need to to keep looking forward keeping the finger on the pulse and, and that can be done through simple things like google a b testing putting some designs in place doing incremental tests looking at the results with enough traffic to, to to tell you if those results are worth implementing and hard coding it into the site and then we move on to the next one. Doing all of that yeah, is, is, again, the best way to, yeah, remove those pain points and build that trust. Yeah, yeah. Well, if anyone who's ever read lots of Tony Robbins stuff, here's the thing that he's, uh, I think he's trademarked it. So that's why I'm flagging his name. But Canny, C-A-N-I, Constant and Never-Ending Improvement which I think is, is so important to a website. And it's, um, I did an SEO myths once and one of the ones that popped up that I thought was quite amusing in my myths list that I hear from clients was, uh, oh, we've done our SEO. <laughs> like, well, no, you haven't. Because as soon as you're number one, everyone else is chasing you. They'll get to number one. They've got more links, more content, better experience, more products, better products, more reviews. Like you just got to keep going with this stuff. And it's, yeah, I don't think anybody's is, uh, is quite as silly as that these days. But that is one I used to hear early in my career of like, we've done the SEO. We're working on other stuff now. I'm like, really? <laughs> well, yeah. you're, not, you're not ranking very well so uh maybe do it again this is a good question and i would tell you which store and person reached out but it was just a jumble of letters and numbers at gmail.com but a really well constructed email so if this was you please do reach out i'd love i'd love to give you 30 minutes of my time and have a chat whoever this was but they said we, we run a food and drinks brand and they asked the question a few months back about how do we bring the taste and flavor to the design of our site. And what I think they mean by this, or what I took from reading that was, how does someone land on the site and go, wow, this looks delicious? Because obviously you can't taste mm. it. So how do you get that? You know, I'm instantly thinking of Coca-Cola yeah. adverts and Long Island iced teas and that sort of thing. But how do you bring that to a web page? I, I, I love this question because that is a really hard thing to do or to do really well. You do that through... The, the brand is the place that ultimately is the the building blocks or the foundation for this, or even going a bit further back into the kind of brand strategy. And you take that strategy and it might be the tone of voice or, it, or obviously the brand color. And then you look at your products and what unique attributes of those products do they have in common that kind of builds this ecosystem, your brand together. And then that needs to be delivered onto the site. A great example I came across the other day is Moju or Muju, the ginger shot company. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. Go onto that site. You can instantly tell that that sh that little ginger shot is going to be hot and spicy through you know, the the bold brash typography. It's it's thick and you know impactful, and it's you got these like big strong colours of these gingers and yellows with the blacks. And straight away, I know what I'm going to get from that. You know, it's going to you know either blow my head off or just be you know, very spicy kind of intense <laughs> stuff. And, I, I yep. got that taste through through that visualization, ultimately through that. And that's that's kind of the first step. And then it's tone of voice in terms of the, the written communication. You know, are you passive? Are you overly friendly? Are you cheeky? Are, you know, a bit witty? There's lots of different ways to kind of get across in terms of the tone of voice. And that, again, will deliver that tangible experience, which we're ultimately trying to get through an intangible experience online. And combining those is basically all the ingredients to this cake you're ultimately trying to bake and when you get there you i think you'll see that if you're doing it well when you know sales are coming in but also your kind of customer contact is low let's say you are selling something that is you know taste uh, and people want to 
is a hard thing to kind of describe. It's quite subjective, should we say. And so if you're having low customer contact because your site is essentially essentially setting what are explaining well and what you're selling, then you're winning. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I love that you went down that road because I was thinking in my head, either Ben's going to go to the core of this brand or he's going to go down the road of, right, you want to get some good images and if it's a refreshing thing, have some, you know, droplets of water dropping down the side of the can or whatever, which is very sort of Coca-Cola do a lot of that. Fanta yeah. do a lot of it. There's a brand, I don't know if you've got them in the US actually, but we, we in the UK have them here, which is Vimto, the fruitiest word I know. And I tried mm. Vimto a few months ago for the first time and it was, it was really fruity. <laughs> and, and I literally sort of thought, it lives up to the advert, doesn't it? It's not just factual, yeah. it's great marketing. But I love that you've gone to the core of that and using that that Mojo one as, sorry, Muju one as, uh, as a, not Mojo, as a good example. <laughs> yeah. I think I think that, that that's really powerful actually in saying like the font is punchy, it's in your face, it's loud, it's aggressive because the flavor of the product is as well. And I guess that, I guess if you could give us the same sort of example, it probably applies as well to anything that you touch, for example. So like the Simba mattress is all about comfortable and clothing is, you know, a comfy clothing company, like a wintery coat or whatever. It's, it's all gonna be about warmth and I'm out and about, but I'm fine. That sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, if we go back to mattresses, comfort was a big, big part of trying to explain to the customer the, the how comfy it was ultimately. And that's really, really hard to do. And you don't want to go down the route of like a, a childish font, for example, or imagery that is too fluffy. It, there you've got to strike a right balance. And so in that case in point, we bring in a bit of science to back it up. And it's through the mechanical use of springs and foam and, and all this kind of work. But comfort then comes through, again, imagery is, is a key one. That's where we probably come back to reviews, actually, because ultimately the the people have already bought it. They're going to be the ones who are testifying against the comfort of all of this, and that's where uh, that kind of like full circle, that halo effect, comes back around again. Comfort is obviously if you believe if you've got a good comfy product, you're going to have to do well in in terms of your website through tone of voice, the actual copy, the imagery, the color, font, the whole brand, and then that product's got to stand up to the test in the real world with your customers. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to ask you, depending on how long this is going to go on for, I'm going to ask you potentially quite a tough question. I'm going to give you a bit of context Ooh, for when go. I asked this question and then a bit more context of why I'm asking this question today when we're talking about retention and having a great website people want to keep shopping from. The question is, from a UX point of view, how do you fit in all this stuff that we've spoken about. And so I'll give you the two bits of context as well. The first one is from an SEO perspective. We are always trying to dump everything on the website. And we we know we're fully guilty of that in SEO. We want breadcrumbs. We want links off to other pages. We want buying guides. We want the lot. And, but we also want the products to be visible on the collection page above the fold. So you can go, I'm on a group of men's t-shirts. And I can just scroll down and scroll through these t-shirts. So that's the first bit of context. How do you design a page? That's all of that stuff in it. And then the second one is probably slightly more on the product page, but across the whole site, how do you fit all of this stuff in from a UX point of view? Where do you start? Well, with your first question of like how we do it, I guess the workflow or the process we go through is quite atypical. We go through a, a, a user experience process mapping uh, journey. So we make sure that we first have got everything we need to get from a product point of view. And then we work with partners like yourself to go, okay, we know the fundamentals. It's all well and good having a great product page or a listing page. But if people aren't getting there and Google's not crawling it to actually list it for what it is, um, it's a waste of time. So it's ultimately putting together the must-haves. We kind of have like a, I guess, a tiered package of like must-haves through to nice-haves. 
and implementing them quickly. And then it's a case of implementing design experience, really, and understanding what works where and how it should, where it should go. And then onto your second question, thing on a page. Yeah, that's tricky because you want to make sure that accessibility is is there as well because you you can't just go and shrink it all you can't just go and hide it because it needs to be accessible so getting that in there is design hierarchy ultimately so making sure that we've got the right information at the right place for when the user needs it and kind of matching it back to a bit of a conversion funnel in terms of the user and how they're trying to pick up this information on the site so you know what's important to them price description yeah if it's a product that has you know tables in terms of sizes you know make sure that that's available but you don't need to have the whole sizes open all the time because that might push down other relevant content so put that into collapsible constantinas or pop-outs if necessary or you can have other dedicated pages which might house some other specific content which is more kind of let's say evergreen to the wider product catalog so you can have that outside the page FAQs are a fantastic one to do as well. There's lots of kind of little tools in the box that you can put from essentially a top-down vertical page. You can also in- implement, you know, horizontal scrolling as well to kind of really use your kind of screen real estate because we're working in those spaces and we've got the ability to do it. When it comes to mobile, people are quite intuitive to, you know, get that thumb scrolling left and right, up and down. And we can do triggers as well, time triggers, height scroll triggers as well to deliver specific information when needed ultimately yeah yeah absolutely absolutely the two things you mentioned right at the end that i want to pick up on quickly because i think they're really relevant one of them is tools and if anyone's not used it before hot jars the one that springs to mind but there's lots of good tools that you can literally watch videos of people using your website and they're not expensive tools going back to something you said right at the start though that just absolutely was singing my singing my tune if you like um was talking about page speed so if you're going to use one of these tools to start tracking where people are going to the site make sure you do a page speed test before and after do a bit of googling read some reviews like we're talking about today like customers on your site would read some reviews of whether this is going to affect page speed slow things down but certainly using a tool to see how how people use it. So the f- the reason I thought of that as well is you mentioned tools, but you also mentioned people scrolling up and down, left and right with their thumb. And like you said earlier, we're working on mobile here. Let's let's just stick with mobile because it's the bigger bigger traffic share, certainly for UK and US. But you want to see how many people actually do know to swipe left and right. And then I assume from a design perspective, you go, they're not using the left right scroll. Let's put two arrows on. You can either click or you can then just swipe and see if they pick up on it. Nice, easy fix to a problem, but you don't know without the numbers or the watching people go, okay, no one's actually scrolling there and the stats tell me that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. You've got to test. You've got to, you've got to talk to your customers, look at your customers and make objective changes based on your customers. Mm. Yeah. Nice. And the last one I'm going to pick up on quickly, just before we come into land, timed triggers, such a good idea. I always find that people think it's an SEO thing to not have pop-ups, banners. I always make the point of like, Google hates them because people hate them. Like Google is not sitting in its little sandbox going, everyone has to play my way. Google is trying to learn what does ever, as much as I do say Google are evil thieving Watsits, which is literally printed on our wall uh, in the office. <laughs> We're a Google agency. <laughs> That's what we think. But Google are, they're, they're very good at going, okay, how are people using something right now? How do we want them to use it? And are the two aligned? And therefore are people who are running websites, are they matching that? Are they giving what we would describe as a good experience or are they not? And Google's definition of that, so time triggers, you can really annoy people with pop-ups all over the place. So forget SEO on that front. We always get asked as an SEO question like how many pop-ups are too many we're like enough to annoy someone 
So summers we land on a site and annoying is live chat popping up and making a noise. Really not a fan of that. If I want to click <laughs> yeah. on live chat, I will. Yeah. Let, let me make the decision. Pop up to like get 10% off your first order. And if you're a repeat customer and you get a big banner popping up and blocking the screen going, get 10% off your first order with live chat popping up, then a cookie message going, would you like to get, modify your cookies or whatever, or accept or reject? Immediately, it's a bad experience. So it does not surprise me Google doesn't want to rank that kind of page because people are going to hate it. However, going right back to the core of what we've been talking about today, Ben, if you've got a good brand message that matches your product, people will overlook some of these things, some of these pressure points. Google will see that and Google will still rank you quite well anyway. And it seems like a recurring theme every week I'm talking about. Just get a decent product. Everything else will start to fall into place. But you can't really get a product until you sold some products, got some feedback. It is chicken and egg and I fully accept that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. It's, there's a time and a place to implement these different tactics and triggers, and it has to be right for your brand ultimately. Like you say, there's nothing worse than oh, you know, clicking the cookie ba- banner every single time, plus then closing that chat and all the other bits that might come up. You know, have a make sure it works for you first and foremost. I just want to buy a sofa. Just let me buy a sofa. Is uh, <laughs> generally what I saw in a fee- feedback form from a customer recently. Um, one of our client sites is, I just want to buy a product. Can I please just buy a product? <laughs> and that was that. But right, Ben, final question. People listening to this going, Ben, I need your help. I want to reach out. I want to follow you. I want to see what you're up to digitally and what sort of stuff you guys are putting out. How can they get hold of you? How can they follow you? How can they get in touch? Awesome. Yeah, I can certainly help them out here as well. So you can find us at weare11.co. That's all one word. And you can find me on LinkedIn as well, forward slash ben.burgess. I'm pretty active on there. And then a little shameless plug as well, whilst we're here, we're also, you can find me at Trustpilot's head offices on the 28th of February, as we at 11 are running an event called D2C for Planet and People. So there's an opportunity to come meet uh, in person too. And you can find all of that information if you just have a little search on Eventbrite. Nice, nice. And, and just to flag as well, it is in London. A lot of our audience That's is sitting right, in the US yes. gutted. I am, I'm going to be doing everything I can to get there, Ben. But all you need to do is send me an invite because you haven't sent me one yet. So as soon as I get an invite, I'll be on the list. I am but, sorry. Uh, <laughs> that's all right. That's uh, all right. Not to worry. But um, yeah, thank you so much for joining us today, Ben. I really appreciate your time. It's been great to have a chat. Thank you very much for having me. It's been an absolute pleasure. Really interesting to chat. And uh, I hope everyone who was listening enjoyed it amazing and thanks everybody for tuning in if you haven't already hit the subscribe button all the things I said at the beginning um, if you want to sponsor get in touch or ask a question or you want to come on as a guest um, we don't charge merchants to come on by the way um, and, and some of the tech tools um, so yeah if you want to get involved find out what's going on go on our website winningwithshopify.com fill out any of the forms they come through to myself and through to Byron who organises everything um, so ping us we'll get back to you um, and also if you've got any questions on a e-commerce level you want to ask me anything about PPC, SEO, um, CRO all the different things to talk about in the podcast feel free to reach out and I will do my best to respond to as many of you as possible. Some months it's difficult and some months I do manage to get back to absolutely everyone. So hope to hear from all of you um, and hope to have you all again with us next week. Never miss a Friday is our new motto, which we have missed one or two, but we're doing our absolute best. So we'll post again next Friday. Thanks for tuning in and we'll see you again soon. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. You can subscribe to our weekly newsletter for exclusive offers at winningwithshopify.com. And don't forget to check out our Facebook group by searching for Winning with Shopify on Facebook. Over and out.